the government is Satan, okay? The government, <laughs> Satan is banning menthol cigarettes because they are, they are your way out. They are your way out of hell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 16 of Everyone is Cancelled. Today we have a very special episode and a very special cancellation. I have with me, first of all, John Morgan. Thank you for coming, hey. sir. And yeah. John, would you like to introduce our special new guest today <laughs> on our podcast? Yes, yeah, sure. It's fitting, right? I think so. so. Uh, yeah, tonight joining us is uh, is my wife, um, Megan Morgan, um, who is a a successful entrepreneur in our home. Uh, raising our family and being uh, the best wife ever. She's also a homeschool advocate, uh, well-versed in all things homeschool. And uh, and without further ado. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, it's a really important subject that we're going to be discussing tonight. So, folks, we got a new cancellation this week. <laughs> if you liked smoking flavored cigarettes... Menthol cigarettes, it's canceled. You don't get to do that anymore. Menthol cigarettes are canceled. The government has decided that for you, for your own good. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you think about this, sir? Uh, I think that not only should they ban menthol cigarettes, but they should also ban uh, blackberry brandy, um, vanilla Coke, and uh, Mr. Good Bar. But crackle is okay. Um, but seriously, there was, I guess there was a study that said that banning menthol cigarettes in the U S would lead, uh, an additional 923,000 smokers to quit, including 233,000, uh, 230,000 African-Americans, uh, in the first 13 to 17, so a month, month and a half after the ban goes into effect. Uh, you can't stop people from making bad decisions. It, that's not the, it, it defeats the entire purpose of being free. Right. So if I'm not harming somebody else, if I'm choosing to harm myself, and the education is there, like I know I know cigarettes are bad for me. I've known it right. since I was like probably forever. Yeah, My yeah. parents knew it was bad. So if I'm smoking a cigarette, I know it's going to kill me. Maybe I want to die from cigarettes. <laughs> that should be my right. If I want to die from smoking 14 packs a day, I was born... Yeah with that God-given right. You, That's the right. government, should not be able to tell me I can't smoke a black cherry-flavored cigarette or a right. cigar. Well, I do agree. Yeah, I do agree with the, um, like, the bar bands and, uh, you know, the the dedicated areas uh, for smokers because 100%. of... 100%. I'm with because you Because of secondhand smoke. Yep. And it's just... Yeah. Like I, you do whatever you want, but you just have to make sure that the collateral damage to uh, to your habit, you know, doesn't affect anybody else. Right. What's the harm of smoking a flavored cigar once a year, enjoying the little things? Yeah, I think this is a step towards, um, you know, banning vaping too. I mean, most most vaporizers, uh, I, I mean, it's all flavored. I mean, everything they have is flavored. You can get any flavor you want in a vaporizer. Um, so I, I don't know if the movement this it seems like a very small 
uh, ban. Uh, but I, it's one of those things where once they get their foot in the door, then they kick it open and just decide to start banning everything. Well, it's hard, too. I think we need to look at the other side of this. Um, sometimes they need to ban things really for our benefit. So there are companies and things that develop very harmful substances. Um, so some of those vaping things are very, very dangerous. They're not regulated or, you know, so maybe there are times where they have to ban certain products because they're not, they're dangerous, like they're deadly. But that doesn't mean they have to ban the whole thing, right? Right. Um, so you can't fully ban vaping because some of the vaping stuff is okay. It's o- it's not okay, but whatever. It's okay for adults to choose. Um, maybe they're banning, you know, the marketing at kids or whatever. Um, so sometimes we do need certain things, right? <laughs> certain yeah. regulatory actions when people are able to freely develop poison um, but right. I think that's pretty rare. Um, I don't think that that is. I agree. It, that's like an extenuating circumstance, a special thing. Um, right. They don't need to regulate everything, though. Right. Like maybe ban arsenic. Right. But yeah. I, I, I like the idea of a society that educates me rather than bans it from me. me like too. I was looking oh, at a definitely. case of beer the other a few weeks ago that said Proposition 65 or something. This has been known to cause cancer in california i'm like great that's the one i'm gonna get and i got it (laughs) right but see at least california said okay we're not gonna ban the beer we're not gonna ban mattresses we're not gonna ban all these carcinogenic things we're just gonna put a label on it that's kind of stupid sounding and hopefully people will research it for themselves and that's great yeah we need to be able to pick if we want it because a lot of those things that have warnings you're still going to use you know right um, I just want and... them to tell me that I might die, so I know what to pick. It's important. <laughs> I think right. I have the right to do that. And if we're allowed to drive cars, I'm sorry, yeah, you should be able no, to choose right. to smoke a flavored cigar. Cars yeah. kill a lot of people every year. Heart disease, sorry, but how is heart disease caused? And that's the number one killer in the United States. So I'm just saying, I'm playing devil's advocate. Of course, I'm exaggerating here, people. But it's a fine line they're walking. And banning cigars doesn't necessarily seem like the game changer we need right now. You know? No. I don't smoke menthol cigarettes, but I think that's kind of the point. Uh, a lot of people like them. They like menthol cigarettes. And that's their right. I don't want to tell them to stop smoking it. I know that they know it's bad. So Yeah. It's, it is a fine line. I think the government banning things in general isn't good. Um, You have, you know, governments banning books. You know, you can't read this book. You can't read that book in school or wherever. I mean, of course, you can still freely read it on your own if Amazon carries it, if the library carries it. So what happens is they start banning these books for a certain group of people, and it just boils over into for everybody. Um, that's really dangerous. Or when you see like Amazon banning certain political persuasion, you know, political perspectives. Um, it, it just, yeah, don't like banning. Not a fan. Uh, Megan, would you like to explain, first of all, what happened in Connecticut? Sure. All right. So before I start, I just want to say that anything discussed here is my own opinion and in no way represents the mission 
collective thoughts or ideals of any organization I am affiliated with. Um, so I'm here as a guest to talk freely, um, my own opinion based on my own knowledge and um, studying of this stuff as I understand it. So basically what happened in Connecticut was the removal of a religious exemption. Um, so on April 28th, our governor, Ned Lamont, signed a bill into law removing our state religious exemption for schools, and that includes public and private. This also impacts camps, colleges, sports teams, etc. Um, so essentially what the religious exemption did was it allowed parents and students to opt out of mandatory vaccinations, vaccines that were required to attend school. Um, and those were certain ones on the Connecticut schedule. Not every vaccine available was on there, but a large majority of them are on there. Hmm. Um, so at some states, so we became the sixth state in the union to eliminate that exemption. Some states have religion, philosophical, and medical. All states have medical. Not all had philosophical. So the interesting thing about Connecticut is our religious exemption included a clause that acknowledged the parent and student did not need to have a specific religious tenet to utilize the exemption. Therefore, it innately acknowledged a philosophical exemption. So one of the arguments you heard from lawmakers and people who supported the bill to remove the religious exemption were that people were violating or misusing the religious exemption because their religion didn't have any against vaccines or maybe they didn't even have a religion but essentially Connecticut's religious exemption acknowledged the philosophical component so there was never a need for a philosophical exemption in Connecticut because it was it was just automatically there right um, so another interesting thing about the Connecticut religious exemption that is pretty important in this conversation is that it also included a clause allegedly I don't know if it's a clause or um, a statue. I'm not 100% sure there, so I'd have to do a little bit more research, but it did inc allow districts, so school districts, to temporarily revoke the religious exemption in the event of an outbreak. So what that means is, say, there was an outbreak of measles in a district, they would temporarily revoke the religious exemption mm -hmm. until the outbreak was clear. Now, I have a question on that. What defines an outbreak? I actually don't know. It's actually really small, though. So I think every district would have their own definition or every mm -hmm. state department of health would have their own definition. But I think they had it really small, like maybe like five or six people would be classified as an outbreak. But again, that's interesting alleged i don't know right because i've seen bills passed where you uh, you set a standard right and say a person is a danger to society i think when it was a put up for proposal say a person's a danger to society in new york it was something along the lines of if a judge or if the governor or the mayor deems somebody a danger to society uh they can confine them and the the stipulations for that or the guidelines for that were basically left to the governor or to the mayor or to the judge deciding these factors uh, and living conditions for these people. So I, I think it's important that we, as a society, pay very close attention to what it well, what defines an outbreak. Is it just somebody's opinion? They say there's an outbreak, so they take everyone's rights away or certain rights away because, in their opinion, it, there's an outbreak. 
Um, so I, I just found that one little bit, not to interrupt you, very interesting. Uh, no, but please, yeah, please yeah. go on. Yeah, no, that's very important. Um, so we basically, this whole thing we're looking at is at what point, you know, do these people have the right to step in and take these things away? Do they have the right? Should they have the right? What are they violating? Um, right. So, and it's also important to note that Connecticut's never in in the history that I'm aware of allegedly had an outbreak ever so never had one that's um, interesting there, there we don't have rampant viral illness in our schools um, Connecticut has a 98% vaccine rate in our school districts um, and only 8,000 pe- students utilize the religious exemption that's pretty small wow so vaccine um, what va- does that mean vaccines in general or measles specifically or is that COVID what's the 98% um, for- yeah, 98%. I, I mean, we can take COVID out of the equation. So right now, COVID is still considered an experimental treatment right. that has not been approved for children. Um, but every other vaccine on there, I think it's just dependent. So a lot of the community, you know, they may have a majority of the community have all their vaccines, but just wow. didn't want flu 98%, or HPV. That's that's a that's way higher than I ever would have guessed. That that's yeah, incredible. Connecticut has one of the highest rates of vaccine in in the nation, which makes it in our students, which makes it very interesting that they decided to move forward with removing the religious exemption. Wow. Um. Also, because they had the ability to temporarily remove it in in light of an outbreak. So very interesting that they chose so aggressively to remove that exemption. Yeah, and that's part of the <clears throat> part of the question about what was going on in the legislature at this point in time for them to make such a sweeping decision about uh, you know removing removing this uh, mm-hmm. this this exemption. Like, it, it just it screams ulterior motive or agenda. And, and even if there isn't one, this is probably one of the biggest problems, uh, bipartisan problems that we have in, in our politics today is that uh, they don't give a reason or feel they need to give a reason. And if they're asked, they usually give some kind of generic rhetoric uh, designed by the party um, to just satisfy, you know, a reporter's, a reporter's question. Well, and additionally, we have an upwards of twenty to twenty-two thousand students in Connecticut public schools that are non-compliant with their vac- with the vaccination schedule. So either they don't have them, um, they don't go to the doctor, they don't whatever, they don't have them, and they do not utilize the religious exemption. So we have eight thousand students being kicked out of Connecticut schools with a religious exemption following the rule and you have 20 to 22,000 students that are completely non-compliant at all that are able to remain in school. So that's a really fascinating piece as well. Um, that was not addressed by our legislators. Um, they Their main reason, I believe, for removing or quote, gunning for the removal of the religious exemption was that more people were utilizing it and they were afraid of not meeting herd immunity. So they're not kicking out the the students that are simply non-compliant. No. They're not taking the vaccine, any kind of vaccine. They're non-compliant and they're not even using an, an exemption. 
and they're not being kicked out of school, whereas the children that no. are using the religious exemption, they are being kicked out? Right. So we can assume that wow. the students who have religious exemption on file will either, their parents will either not send them, their parents will choose an alternative educational path, or they will have mm. to send them, and then those students may be removed forcibly. We don't know. Nobody knows what will actually happen. So a, a large chunk of people are just going to continue forward with sending their kids to school non-compliant. Yeah, that's incredibly, I find that incredibly odd. Now, so this bill has been passed, right? It has been. So on April 27th, Tuesday, April 27th, 7,000 people, citizens and non-citizens, so we had people from New Jersey and all surrounding states, um, go up to the Capitol to petition and protest peaceably against Mm. the bill, which was being voted on in the Senate. That was then vote that was passed in the Senate. And then it went to Governor Lamont's desk and he signed that the next day on the 28th. He was proud and very happy to sign that. Um, He also made some pretty rash comments about bringing in buses of COVID vaccines to the protesters, anti-vaxxers and that kind of thing. Now, who was this that said this? Our governor, Ned Lamont. Okay. And how long has he been in office there? Too long. Ah. Um, I believe two years now. I okay. believe he's in his second. Wow. It's a lot to take in. So what are the implications of this? So really, it's very, to me, it's very simple. And this, you know, this really brings us to an overarching issue we're seeing in our country. And that's the removal and eroding of our freedoms, specifically our religious freedoms. So... I just want to start by saying that the preamble to the Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So essentially what that means, and I'm going to break this down a little bit, because really all this hinges on is our unalienable rights, which we pronounce as inalienable. Um, But what this means is, that nobody can violate those rights. So if you break down the word unalienable, it breaks down to unalienable. And what that means is nobody can put a lien on your rights because they are endowed by your creator. They're God-given. No man has the power, no government has the power to put any lien on those rights. And the word among which we can see life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness it, among those rights. So there are many more. Um, so I and many other people will take a firm stance that our founding fathers acknowledged that we have a God-given right to our own freedom, liberty, happiness, bodies, a bodily autonomy, whatever you want to call it. Um yeah. And just to clarify too, when when she says lean, we're, we're not ta- we're not talking about you know leaning against a fence post lean. Not it's not like you know uh, Uncle Lou is gonna come down and lean on you if you don't put on you know you don't use uh, the vaccine. No, no it's, it's, a, it's a lean. Lean. L i e n is to yeah. put a lean on something. Say I owe back taxes on my house. They're going to put a lean on my house, meaning. They can take it from me. Um, So our founding fathers explicitly stated that we had unalienable rights that are endowed by God himself, and nobody can touch or take those. So I 
believe and and many other people, it's clear, it's very clear that taking away your right. So essentially what they're doing is they're coercing children and parents saying, you can't have an education if you don't do X, Y, Z. And I believe that that's a violation of our rights, our liberties. I'll tell you what they didn't teach me in public school was what you just uh, told me about unalienable rights. They didn't explain that to me. It seems like it should have been taught to me at some point, but. (laughs) And it should. And that's the thing there. They specifically avoid getting too detailed into what these actually mean. It's very simple. It's very basic. Um, But they avoid it. They it's it's much easier to take rights from people who are clueless than people who are educated in this and that I mean even myself I've had to self-educate myself in all of this so I just want to I want to throw a quote in I found a quote that I thought was really good and really goes along with what we're saying and it says I don't know who said it Um, but when we allow anyone to subordinate another's life to his will we undermine the essence of human rights and the very foundation of our freedom so that says it all right there. And we can keep going on this conversation and see where it takes us. But that's the basic foundation of it. And yeah. America was founded on rebellion against tyranny. This right. very this very sort of thing happening. It's absolute truth. Um, they explicitly acknowledge that the purpose of government, um, this little government, is to protect us from big government, even our own government. And the Bill of Rights, will ex- it expands upon our unalienable rights. Right. So they acknowledge that very quickly men in power become tyrannical. And it, and our, and it explicitly states that we have the right, because we're, we're the people who are in charge here, um, we have the right to remove them from power. And these things are not being taught in school. Uh, at no. least in my case, and I, especially now, what they're teaching is is not uh, the sort of rights that we are born with as American citizens, how this country was founded, and they make that sort of talk sound like tinfoil hat talk, where if you look at our Constitution or Bill of Rights, it's, it's written right there, but they're simply not putting out there uh, to, to be taught to students. They're teaching them, in my opinion, that the government tells you to do something, and that is what you do sort of almost trying to replace government with God in a sick way, in some ways, and in some states more than others. But Connecticut, California, where I live, I've seen some of these same issues. So it, I wonder, do they even, you can't fight something if you feel it's just normal. And if you, you know, kids are very impressionable if they grow up seeing this as normal. Uh, who knows oh, right. what's going to happen right. in 30, 40 years from now. Well, and I think right now they're using, they're utilizing fear specifically. So one of their tactics is to keep people afraid. Um, And one thing is being afraid of viruses and illnesses and, you know, people are going to make you sick and you must comply. And of course, it goes a lot deeper than that as well. But yeah, fear is a big tactic they use. So they're coming at this from, well, this is to keep you healthy. Now, how much are they focusing on telling its citizens and its its youth to get proper sunlight, to exercise, to eat healthier foods, to get proper amounts of sleep at night? Uh, how much effort are they putting into those areas? Uh, probably zero that I can tell. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they have kids in school buildings all day without sunlight, you know, on, right. on technology and various things. I mean, clearly, they're not concerned about that. You can't help but think there is an agenda there focusing on such a small minority of people. It seems you can't help but sort of think that possibly there is an ulterior motive there, at least from my point of view. Oh, certainly. No, I agree. I think with the removal of the religious exemption, it's really them seeing how much they can whittle away. You know, it's like a test. It's kind of like a test and, you know, with the masks and stuff, a compliance test, if you will, really has nothing to do with health. They've you know, many people, many researchers have come forward and said masks do ap- do basically absolutely nothing. Um, but it was more of a, even our own government said that early on, but it's a test in compliance. And I think the removal of the exemption is really a test in our compliance to the removal of our religious rights and any of our rights, actually. They want to see who's awake, who's asleep, who's willing to fight this, if anybody is, if anybody cares. So what's the all if 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 a student if a parent uh, denies their kid this vaccine or any vaccine in the future especially if it's an experimental vaccine um for whatever reason if they do that does that mean that 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 their child cannot go to a specific school or is that any public school in the state Well right now the covid's not on the list uh they right now it's not mandatory that they have covid hpv and I'm not sure about the flu, honestly. I, I want to say daycares mandate that one. I'm mm. not sure about all schools, though. But so there are a few that aren't on the, the the schedule, so to speak. So you can go without those right now. But how long do we really think that the COVID one isn't going to come into play? Mm. I mean, clearly they're pushing now. I just saw today they're they're working on you know, approving it for kids. Really, they're approving an experimental agent on kids. Even the one, even the vaccines that are on the schedule, the, effic- the efficacy of those is even in question, right? Yeah, so there's some, there's some interesting stuff. Um, I actually have friends and, and people I know that are way, way not more knowledgeable in this area, but my friend was telling me um, the the current MMR vaccine that's in circulation has been used for I don't I don't even know how many years, but essentially there's been a lawsuit against them in court for 12 years now, still going on because the mumps portion of the vaccine is ineffective. Um, it's it's been proven that it it does nothing. So. Why? So if we're in such a health crisis emergency and everybody needs this, why isn't it being pulled, reformulated? You know, oh, kids are going to get sick. We got to make sure it's it's perfect. Where where why isn't that happening? You know, we have to ask these questions. Um, Not to mention that, um, you know, as as far as I can remember, uh, I, I never received any boosters uh, going through my education for any of these vaccines. And, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, no, that and they're the, life, the, lifetime. No, know. they're not. So there's something called latent immunity. Um, what that means is you catch measles, you're immune for life. You catch mumps, you're immune for life. 
Um, with vaccines, you don't get that. So you have to have boosters every so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, the immunity isn't as strong. So you can still catch and spread these viruses. Um, it's a false immunity. Um, I know our son had the MMR and he still contracted mumps. So he did have mumps. It was confirmed. I don't remember how old he was. He wasn't terribly old, maybe six. I don't know. It wasn't, you know, overly serious at all by any means. It was mild, but he had the big chipmunk jowls and, you know, at first they didn't, they weren't sure what it was because they don't really see it and they didn't want to admit, but it came back that he definitely had it. So, and then there's just other stories of people I know who, you know, they can get the chicken pox vaccine four times and they, and they have absolutely, it doesn't take with them. So- You also have, you know, teachers unions will protect the rights of teachers to not have to have these vaccines mandated on them. So you have teachers that aren't boosted up to date. Um, I don't know the full thing behind that, but I know plenty of teachers that don't do boosters. Um, so you have teachers, you have, you know, how effective are these vaccines actually And there's a lot to it. It's not a perfect science. And I think we live in a world that, oh, just jab something in your arm. It's perfect science. It's going to protect you from diseases. Follow the science. Yeah. And realistically, that's just not how it works. I mean, it doesn't take a degree to know that. Well, the number one cause of death in the country is heart disease, right? So how much funding are they putting into teaching children to eat better and to exercise. I know we touched on this before, but I should say the death rate is lower than heart disease. Heart disease is, is the number one killer. Yet I see ads for soda on TV that are completely legalized, right? They're still selling cigarettes at the local store. Although they did ban menthol now. Right. Yeah, and see, I don't think for me personally, <laughs> I don't think they should ban anything. I think people need to be able to choose what they want to use do you know with the exception of illicit street drugs and things like that and there's okay we could go real deep into what people should be allowed to do and not doing stuff like that but when it comes to things like you know cigarettes and sodas and different things people have the right to use it and let's but however when you educate somebody it's really important so if you're educating people on health and I, and I do think you know there's a lot of that out there. Uh, I think smoking rates are probably seriously down in the United States. Right. Well, they're up in other countries, but I think over time, when you do these education campaigns that are genuine, then it works. Education versus enforcement taking away our liberties and our rights is exactly. a much better way to go about this. It seems. Right. When it comes to education campaigns and, and just education in general and, mm-hmm. and being able to research and do honest research, where do people go? Where's the first place you go to look up something? That would be Google, right? That's where right. I go. Or DuckDuckGo so, nowadays. Yeah. So we have to talk about that for a minute. And one thing I want to talk about, and this could even take us in another direction, is that Google actively censors anything that is in opposition to standard vaccine information and positivity in science. So if you go on Google right now and type 
vaccines harmed my child. You will get nothing. Um, that was that's very interesting. Um, about six months ago, roughly, my timing's not great, but let's just say six months ago, I noticed that this was the case. So I went to a medical group that I was in and asked, and they all laughed. They're like, "Well, it's been a, it's been quite some time. You know, where have you been? Have you haven't you heard about the Google whistleblower?" And I was like, "No." I, I and here I am, who you know, I research a lot and things, but I had not heard about this. So someone sent me the link, and I watched the video. And essentially, a programmer, um, an engineer at Google, came forward and said, "We were told by Google." that we had to actively suppress and erase anything that was anti-vax, um, anything that was pro-President Trump. You know, it had different stipulations. And by golly, <laughs> they did it because you can't find that stuff. No, wow. I just, uh, I just real quick, just to fact check my wife, because I, I love fact checking my wife. Yeah, you have, um, but you have but to, you have to. I, uh, I just ran it on DuckDuckGo and got, Got nothing. Uh, top three, um, uh, making the vaccine decision, common concerns, and that's straight from the CDC. Uh, childhood vaccines, tough questions, straight answers. Um, and within within that, that search, the first thing it says is any vaccine can cause side effects. Usually these side effects are minor, um, which, you know, depending on the sources you look at, is not necessarily true. The third one, finally, is parents of vaccine-injured children speak out. But that's on DuckDuckGo. On regular Google. That's what I'm saying. That's on DuckDuckGo. Yeah, which like, DuckDuckGo is subsidized, I believe, by Google. There's that's some right. link there. We're it's about own. That but on straight Google, you will never, you won't get anything. And, you know, that's... That's wrong. I mean, now someone can argue with me, well, Google has a right to do what they want. But honestly, I don't think that they do. I think that they have an obligation as information providers to give all the facts. And here's the thing. We live in a world now that you can pick and choose. Anybody can pick and choose what information they want to suppress, who they want to suppress, who they want to censor, who they want to cancel. And now we have less access to all kinds of information, whether it's false or accurate. People need to read it for themselves and make a decision right. and do further research. And of course, everything we're talking about here today, everyone has, I always will say, everyone should research for themselves. Right. Um, right down to the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. So uh, I go just, ahead. I just searched it on Chrome and uh, the first three I got, uh, the first two, well, the first one is the exact same one produced by DuckDuckGo. And the second one is the third one. So the second one is, uh, you know, parents of vaccine and your children speak out. I, I haven't read. I don't know what the content of it. I'm just reading the headlines, you know, just grabbing, you know, search results. Oh, but the third one is the, the harm. The third of... one is the harm of skipping vaccinations or delaying. So you can really see that there is a persuasive mind, if you will, at work. Well, even in a hypothetical world, you can really control a narrative by the information you don't let out, right? Thank you. Wow, that's good. That's so true. Yeah, and there's a. I think we live in a new time. Our forefathers didn't anticipate anything like Google. Uh, I believe Google represents a public grounds of sorts. 
mm-hmm. an area where we congregate as a society or even by ourselves, sort of like the new, uh, it's like a coffee shop. I'm not allowed out. I, they right. just let me out in my state. I can eat oh, si- inside of a restaurant, finally. They let me do that. Thank you for giving well, me some com- of my rights back. Yeah. Communetiquette is opening bars on the 15th, so wow. you know, that, that'll make things better. I hope uh, they let us back out for 4th of July to celebrate our freedom. Well, yeah, I, don't know yeah, I hope so. If uh, if you get the vaccine and you wear seven masks, then yeah, you can... Uh, it's 14 can, masks can, now, John. You can... Uh, I'm so you got to be more so woke behind. or I'm going to have to cancel you as my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and if you wear two pair of underwear you can pee in the pool <laughs> there you go folks you heard it here first so i sit at home a lot i'm on google i'm locked in my house that's where i get my information when i drink my coffee it's now here and i read the news on google i know now that i really can't trust what i'm seeing because i've seen with my very own eyes articles disappear uh, Project Veritas, we talked about this last week for the cancellation of the week, allegedly CNN. And by the way, this is an oral artistic dance. Everything we're saying is just fairy tale land. We don't know what we're talking about, so we're not accusing anybody of anything. But I've seen those articles get buried of Project Veritas. I believe John said they were banned on Twitter. So they do yeah. all this work. Twitter took them down. And then, yeah. boom, it just gets well, buried. Right. Well, when they came out with the Planned Parenthood videos, I believe mm-hmm. that might have been their first real um, exposure or big exposure. I'm not sure. Check Fact check me on that, guys. But when they came out with that, with those videos, you had a lot of people still saying, you know, they're seeing it with their own eyes. They said, oh, it's not real. It, it's doctored, right? Okay, we'll give them that. Maybe it is, right? So they went to court. Planned Parenthood had their own analysts, the ones they hired under oath, and those analysts said, no, those videos were not doctored. Hmm. They're, they're, they're real. So you, and you still had people saying, I don't believe it. Okay. Well, is the disinformation campaign so strong and and it's so warped that people aren't even willing to believe Things they see with their own eyes. Like, are we that divided? Right. You know? Uh, I just heard that uh, I got a source uh, high in the government that uh, this is a deep state issue. And, uh, uh, guys, I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, you, you know, the, the government is eventually going to uh, buy all of uh, my snake oil. The government so- is Satan, okay? The government, <laughs> Satan is banning menthol cigarettes because they are, they are your way out. They're your way out of hell. So, Megan, we talk about a lot of the same things on this show, sort of purposely. Um, We've talked about disinformation. We've talked about these articles being hidden from our site. And I like to sort of pick the brains of our our new guest hosts. I like to hear a broad range of opinions from those I see as the smartest people in my little circle. What is your opinion on how we fix or the problem of information online? What do you think our forefathers would have done? What would you do? What do you think is the end game for a free and fair society that supports the the First Amendment? Well, oh, that's a big one. Um, essentially, so I always believe you need to follow the money trail. And the money trail will lead you back to the source. And I think when you have companies, big industries, big companies buying their right to 
um, hinder what these companies put out. So for example, I, I and again, this is alleged, you have to go back and look at it yourself because um, I can't share links here, we're on air, but there was an article today that 12 attorney generals, Connecticut included, um, they are petitioning Facebook, Twitter, not sure if anybody else is in that, to remove any contrary information to vaccination. So what is their stake in the game? Why do they care? Follow the money trail. Is it Big Pharma? Is it, you know, all these other organizations that are that are lining their pockets to do this stuff? Why is it so important that we don't get this information in their eyes? I don't know what the solution is. So I'm kind of big into the artificial intelligence and, and the different things that are happening. And, and I almost don't know that this can be stopped. Um, I think, you know, whoever's programming these algorithms and different things, it's almost irreversible in a sense. And, and I don't know. I think the only other solution is that um, all of this stuff just goes down. Our grid just goes down and people are forced to wake up. I think we're all sleeping. We're all glued into these machines. And, and that's really all I have. I don't know of any other solution. These, these things are so powerful. They are. Artificial intelligence has already sort of reared its ugly head by the um, sort of uh, blending of information and scientists and these top corporations being able to utilize these cocktails of information sort of all at once information that we as a society don't even have algorithms and they're listening to us on their phones i you, there's that famous video on the internet of where you this guy's talking about like i think dog toys and certain things just in front of his computer he's not even speaking into a mic and all, there's all these ads for, for those things he was just talking about artificial intelligence is sort of in its first generation already it doesn't need to think for itself it's creating a problem just by the information it's giving us on a global scale. Well, right. And we're, we are feeding AI. So when we make decisions on our phone, you know, how long to pause on an ad or what to do, what to type, what to research. Right. We're collectively feeding the unconscious mind of artificial intelligence. And we're waking it up. We're building it. We are building it. Um, we don't know we're building it. So people don't know this stuff. And of course, you know, I can, you know, people are going to say, wow, that woman wears a tinfoil hat. But no, this is, this is real. I mean, this is how the algorithmic system works. Um, they are using us to build something for free. I mean, we are, we're paying them. So we pay Facebook and Twitter we're using it. We're paying them. These advertisers are paying them. They're making billions and billions and billions more money that's, than ever has been made off of us. We never consented to this. Um, there's no way you can. So really, this is worse than what our founding fathers could even imagine. I mean, this is um, this is this is danger territory. Yeah. And you got to take a major step back to, you know, circling back to the, the religious exemption um, plight that is facing, because we're at six states now. So really the question is how long before 
the rest of the states fall in line um, and and start to uh, you know push back on on First Amendment rights. Is this in California yet? Do we know this? Yeah, yeah California yeah. lost their exemption in twenty. 16 or 17, I believe. Mm. Again, somebody fact check me. I'm not sure. But. Because I know yeah. a lot of states follow suit with California. Yes. And California mm. lost 40% of their school enrollment after they pulled the religious exemption. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the the real, the, the significant problem is that we allowed them to do that in the first place. Um, there should never have been... A, a regulation that allowed the government to stipulate what you could and could not um, choose as an exemption, right? The, the exemption in and of itself is a lien on the First Amendment. Uh, to, because, and what that does is, you know, when they put that in place, now they're saying, we are giving you the exemption, which allows them to take the exemption away. When in fact, you know, autonomous decision over our individual bodies is unleanable. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that the, the, the debate and the arguments that we're having about the, the removal of the religious exemption, are, are it's too late. It, it's, it's just too late because allowing them to put the religious exemption in place in the first place um, was the loss. They got that first step into saying, it's not that you have the right to choose what goes into your body. They, it's this, you know, this fancy loophole where they say, yes, 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 you're, you're very, yes, you're free. However, we're granting you that right to be free. Yes, we're, right. we're that that right is now extended through the government on the premise of you know allowing you to be exempt from from something. I don't care if it's vaccines or soda or French fries. Um, whenever the government and, it, and it's such a backhanded attack because I'm trying to think about this. Um, when they say, you know, when they say it, when they say you don't have to follow suit, that is basically them saying that they are the ones that provided the right to go, you know, the right to follow suit in the first place. Right. So, you know, I always say they that giveth will taketh away. Mm -hmm. So they they gave you the right to be religiously exempt from putting something in your body when in actuality it's an inalienable right that you already have you shouldn't need the government to tell you you can be exempt from something see what i'm saying i see i like the way you put that i think that's an interesting point i think it's um a very fine line and that's, it's a very difficult situation because at the time of our founding fathers, they didn't have vaccines and inoculations. So right. when, when you build, when we put in place governmental schools, schools that are orchestrated and run by the government, you do have to kind of say, well, the government has the right to mandate really what they want in their school systems. So... You have to give them that piece. It is a government entity. So I guess their 
their method of compensating people were like, whoa, I don't, you know, we don't want to do the vaccines back in the day. There was a lot of hesitation about vaccines very early on. Um, This isn't something new. They had um, articles from, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s saying there are anti, you know, people who are anti-vaxxers. It's always been this kind of term that they put on people who go against the status quo of vaccination. But there's always been people who are hesitant about it because, well, you don't know what it can do. There's, there could be side effects. Not everybody reacts the same way. There's been bad batches. There's been, been batches of things that have killed people. Well, we didn't so evolve. Always- One thing we know is we didn't evolve on vaccines, right? Our survival no. wasn't based on vaccines. Our survival was based on overcoming these germs and viruses on our own. And they've shown now that overcoming these things on our own, yes, it hurts society in some ways. I'm not saying it's okay. It's just factually what's happened. Uh, when it makes our immunity stronger. So when we start messing with our own immune systems based on a history that we're still here because our immune systems did their job, what does that mean? And that's that's not that's just historical evidence of what has happened. It's not an opinion. It's not what I think. It's just right. observable history. Well, we live in the natural world, and sadly, right. there are viruses and illnesses that that are around. And they, you know, of course, there are also side effects to viruses and illnesses. Um, not all of these illnesses are easy peasy lemon squeezy. And there's some that, you know, I know people who older people who are deaf because they had um, measles and stuff. So there, uh, there is truth on that side, you right. know, some of these, and, and I'll get flack for that, I know, but they are still real viruses. And, you know, there's some goodness behind certain inoculations, like smallpox and, and different things like oh, they for were sure, able 100%. to effectively eradicate certain things through standard inoculation. 100%. I think the, the issue is, there are very serious illnesses like smallpox and polio that you need inoculations for. I mean, I, I think so. And right. of course, I will get flack from that. I am not 100% against, you know, vaccinations. Um, but what we're seeing in the standard vaccinations is there's more of them. Um, chicken pox, which is historically a very mild illness. Y- you know, you're, you're, you're giving kids more things than they actually probably need. And we do need to question the rise in autoimmune diseases, um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a very, very common side effect to the flu vaccination in adults mainly. Um, so there's all kinds of things. There's all, you, you have to look at both sides and, and, and exactly. figure out for yourself where you want to go. So for example, my sister, she had an autoimmune condition and epilepsy as a child, and she could not get certain vaccines. Um, and if you read through a lot of the inserts, you'll see some very interesting and many things that'll make parents say, oh, maybe I'll wait or ask some more questions or do some more research. But that is highly discouraged. And of course, you go into a pediatrician's office and they don't tell you anything. They just tell you, oh, yeah, they're safe to study, whatever. And then a kid has a reaction and then, oh, wait, no, you, you're they didn't have really have a reaction or you know, we can't say it's the vaccine. And of course, vaccine companies have no liability. Right. So this is a major, major, major topic that clearly people need to be free to choose. Yeah, I want to peel that back a little bit too. the uh, the inability for people to 
um, to sue uh, pharmaceutical companies for damages, you know, based on their vaccines. This year and ev- every year moving forward, Pfizer stands to make $25 billion on the COVID vaccine. That's, that's a lot of money. I, and I want to I wanna peel this like an onion too, because I, I think it's a multifaceted, very nuanced conversation on the relationship between the government telling you what, you know, what you're going to put in your body, you know, and, and it's some of these things when they mandate it, it's like, it's not that they're telling you you have to get it. It's that, that you can't participate in things that you normally would participate in. So public school, public libraries, um, flying, flying, traveling. Um, the post office is a federal building. They could, you know, bar you from the post office. Um, pretty much any institution that's associated with the government, town halls, buckle up, voting, you know, all denied because you, you know, you don't have the vaccine. The flip side of that is, is that if the vaccine harms you, you have no recourse, zero recourse, except for what? What is that? VARS system, VARS system. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's a yeah. It's a it's a fund set up. It's a fund set up by the government to pay people for vaccine injury. It has your injury has to be approved by them, so you'd have to apply to it. Yeah, it's a it's full of red tape and and useless as a whole, but it does. It does help some people who uh, who have been, you know, victims. Well, I mean, of- the thing is, that, I mean, there are many people who get them and they, they everything is normal, or, or we think, I don't know. And there are many people who get them and they die. I mean, I've seen many, many honest documentaries from parents. Their children have died from vaccines. Like, this is not, I mean, there are people who I'm anaphylactic to minocycline, which is just a standard antibiotic. If I take it, my throat's going to close up and I'll die. I mean, so if the government right. mandated that drug, I would be on the death list. Well, a doctor just died from the COVID vaccine, right? And I think they were talking about it on Rogan's podcast. And that article allegedly was sort of buried because it wasn't good for the narrative. So I think I think balance is really the uh, a good starting point for an answer here. Vaccines, right. of course. I don't want this to seem anti-vax. We... I think it should be obvious that we are for vaccines when they are needed. You know, measles, I don't want to play with that. I don't want to play with smallpox. I don't want to play with any of that. But when we live in a world that controls the narrative and doesn't let another side speak, then you are therefore forfeiting your way to the truth. You, If you exactly. can't have an honest discussion, including the people who are wrong, including the scientists with failed experiments, if you can't see what's wrong, you don't have a clear lens on what is right. So... That leads me into a couple of questions I have uh, for you, Megan. How how do you make somebody who is not religious or who doesn't care at all about religion or is totally pro-vaccination, totally against religion, how do you make this issue prominent to them? Because I see the connection of how it could eventually affect them, but how do you uh, sort of relate this to them in a way that they care about this as well? Well, I think it boils down to they have to understand that our nation was founded on the principle of life, liberty, and freedom so that everybody should have the choice 
whether they want to be religious, whether they want to have a faith, whether they want to live out that faith, um, whether they want to vaccinate, not vaccinate, not believe in science, believe in science, whatever it is, everybody has the right to be on whatever side of the fence they want to stand on. Mm -hmm. And I think, and again, that can lead us into another topic, (laughs) the sense that there is a religion, an overall religion in America, if you will. Um, And of course, our founding fathers were explicit that, you know, in the First Amendment that the states aren't, that the government can't establish a religion, but what they've actually done is they've done just that. And they've done it through indoctrination methods, education, and that is the whole belief in um, secular humanism. So this notion that, you know, people's faith is bad, um, people who don't believe in, you know, the status quo are bad, you know, that we evolved from rocks or whatever they think we evolved from. I don't know. Again, this is alleged, but this is my own Mm -hmm. personal belief. And I think so we do have this dichotomy where we do have a lot of people who believe religion is evil and science is, you know, right and, and all this stuff. But it all boils down to you have to acknowledge that everybody has the freedom to really believe what they want. They have the freedom of thought and of speech and they can write what they think. And I think we live in a, in a culture where people are they're taught and indoctrinated and trained to be offended and to think that something isn't so to think someone's thought is innately going to harm somebody. Well, unfortunately, there are hateful people and hateful thoughts in, in you, but you can't control that. You have to allow that to exist. That is their right. Um, so I hope that kind of answers it. I would hope that more people would understand that people have that freedom. Um, right. So if you hate religion and, and you think people who are anti-science are idiots, okay, you have the right to think that. But you also have to allow those people who you think are idiots to have the right to have their beliefs. <laughs> they have the same rights as you, right? Everyone exactly. Should. So I think that leads into what I see in this and that I think it's great what you said. And it, it should make sense now when I say this. Uh, that when you take historically, when you take the rights away from one group, it therefore is very likely to happen to all or the next group and the next until it's the whole community. Yes. Uh, turning our communities against each other is divisiveness. And it's a, it's a classic tactic politically to get things mm-hmm. done because uh, a divided people can't unanimous, unanimously or almost unanimously vote against acts such as this that take away rights. So you divide them first. Absolutely. That eventually everyone's rights are taken away. And that I think that's a huge takeaway here. This isn't about religion at all. And I think, too, within all of that, you know, within the First Amendment, essentially what it was was that the state can't establish a religion. So the, the government can't establish one. The government can't hinder anybody's religion. And they can't pick sides with one religion. So they can't be preferential to one over the other. So that's good in a way. That leaves the federal government and the states neutral. They should be neutral. Um, But they should also be supportive and upholding everybody's religious rights or lack thereof. You know, not everybody wants a religion 
shoved in their face. Um, right. And but it's still our it's still our right as so for me I, I'm a Christian I I have my strong faith I still have a right in a public place to speak my faith and have somebody over here say oh that's not for me I'm going to ignore you peace out lady. Um, whatever it is. Um, so we have to learn to live together with each other. And and that's really the intent of our founding fathers. It was actually a very radical experiment. Um, they were used to being controlled tyrannically in the name of religion. Um, and that is a very dangerous precedent. But it's also dangerous to be controlled overarchingly in the name of a taunt like assimilation. So essentially what Hitler had done in Nazi Germany um, was to have nothing, uh, break it all down to you can't have individual thoughts or faiths or beliefs. Um, It has to be non-existent. So really, we need these freedoms to protect from all sides. Um, And it's really to protect each of us individually from those said things. If that makes sense, it does. I hope so the, I ramble sometimes. I get down rabbit holes real quick. <laughs> no, I I think it's good. It's that's exactly why we have you, we have you on. It brings me to my next point. Uh, how do you stop? So so on John's point earlier and yours, of course, this this law was passed. It's already happened. Uh, the time to stop it is passed. How do yeah. you reverse a law? as a society, not, not technically like what you technically do. You, we can get into that, but how do you stop these from being prevented? How do you reverse these? How does a society even fight this at this point? Well, I, you know, I think the, the point there, and, I, and I'm still hopeful that, uh, that this decision by not just the governor, but it was passed in the house and the Senate. So, you know, it was, a it was uh, this Connecticut state government that that uh, that decided to do this, and ultimately, you know, this decision is unconstitutional. And I'm hopeful that when um, it's appealed, uh, that that is that 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 is held up in court. Um, that's kind of the hopeful thing: is always reverting to the Constitution. Um, that's where you're going to find. That's where you're going to find the truth. The government's always going to do stuff to control you. It's just the nat- It's just human nature. Um, they're in power. They want to make good decisions for you. In order for that to happen, they need to have uh, absolute control. But the Constitution said something very, very different, and and uh, and and that's why I'm hopeful that uh, that that will be proven um, when this thing is challenged. And is it being challenged? Yeah, there, there, there will be a few federal lawsuits. I believe they've already been raised. Um, I'm not sure. Again, I don't have, I haven't studied any case law pertaining to the removal of the the religious exemption and vaccinations. From my understanding, my limited research, the Supreme Court has never ruled on it, um, but they do have some case laws that seem to lean more towards. Uh, when, again, when, when somebody's individual liberty infringes on another person's liberty, that's a violation. So like my liberties can't infringe on my neighbor's liberties. Do vaccines, so me not inoculating myself while everybody else does, am I a risk 
to their liberty? That's right. one question that they have. Um, again, that's up to those justices to essentially decide. To my knowledge, they have never voted on that, and it's not something that's pending. Yeah, and we're not giving so. you medical advice. Listen to your doctors. No. This is a fictional book that we're writing. Oral <laughs> artistic dance. Listen to well, your right. doctor. We all we each have our own opinions. This is yes. an opinion based show. Um, you know, again, everybody research what we're saying. It's just to give you another side of the coin to think and. And maybe you're just like, wow, these people are out there. I'm not interested. Or maybe you're listening to us like, oh, that's really interesting fact. I didn't know that. I'm going to research it. My only suggestion is don't go to Google because you're not going to get the whole picture. (laughs) Yeah, big tech, you're right about everything. We're sorry for our horrible opinions. You guys, I know you're listening. You guys are right. Listen to big tech. This is just a joke. In no, Zuckerberg, but okay. So there is something I wanted to cover. Uh, I, I've noticed certain stipulations being put into school about what students, the, what the curriculum is supposed to be com- comprised of, what they are supposed to be taught, and they're they they are seemingly more and more radical in certain states. Yeah, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. What if schooling uh, was governed from county to county instead of just statewide ordinances or even federal ordinances? What if counties sort of voted for what their schooling was supposed to be comprised Ooh, this is of? a good one. So they are supposed to be countywide. So each district is supposed to oversee their own district. Um, however, we have something called the State Department of Education, both in every state and federally. Um, So we have overseers of something, education, which is supposed to be district-wide. So we have to say to ourselves, hmm, okay, we're supposed to have every school, every school district is supposed to control themselves, provide for themselves, all that good stuff, right? But now we're seeing, oh no, we have, you know, we have federal money in play and we have state money in play. And if you don't, if you don't do this little school district, you're not going to get your federal funding. Um, so really, right, right then and there, the Department of Education is not, it, it should be dismantled. It doesn't even really have a place. Um, it, it's not supposed to be there. But we've allowed these big bureaucratic government agencies to step in and oversee things that are supposed to be overseen by the people. So your school districts, they're local. It's the boards are supposed to be made up of parents who have the best interest of their children as a collective in mind. Um, But when you start, you know, feeding in money from the state, feeding in money from the federal government, people's ideas change. Oh, we need extra money for this. We need extra money for that. We better better just say we're going to, you know, do X, Y, Z, let's just do it. Um, hmm. And that's where you start to see coercion and other things happening. So that's a huge topic. But really, I mean, a lot of these bureaucratic government agencies are do not have our best interests in mind. Right. They have policies to spread. So they have policies and ideas. And, you know, Common Core was going to be the next best thing sweeping across the nation. And now they're finding tons of problems with it. And it's not great for 
every student in every school and every district and every location. So it doesn't seem like uh, parents have such a hand in the curriculum as we were led to believe from that standpoint. No, they don't. No, they really don't. And a lot of this stuff is it's political. There's political agendas. Um, they're teaching your kids one side of the coin. Um, these curriculums are being written by bureaucrats. Teachers aren't able to even say what they want to teach anymore. They, you know, back in the day, teachers created their own curriculums to a degree. They had certain things they had to follow that were district-wide. They're mandated by the district, maybe a little bit by the state. And they wrote their own stuff, though. They brought in their own books. They devised, you know, they made unit studies and different things. And in a lot of schools now, many schools, it's not the case. I actually know teachers who, I know one teacher, I won't say the state because I'm not going to give away any of my friends, but this teacher, they, they have a curriculum. They're handed a curriculum at the beginning of the year. They cannot deviate from it. They do not have time to deviate from it. Um, it cues them when to laugh. It cues them when to make specific jokes or comments or engage their students. Um, it's very robotic. And this teacher point blank told me if if they bring outside books in to read to their students, they could get fired. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of topic ground to cover in that one. There's a lot. Right. Schools aren't necessarily what you think they are right because this country was founded on diversity you know if i communicate with somebody a county over it would be nice to be talking with somebody that could teach me something i, sh I should yeah. say it'd be nice to have a conversation where we can learn from each other and, and historically america was sort of founded on that right because before technology every state was like a different country it was very different backgrounds very different curriculums to my yeah. knowledge and if we are all taught the same thing uh it it does start to feel like it's a robotic society. And what can we learn from each right. other? We we are we have lost the art of asking questions at that point. Yeah. Well Yeah, people don't ask questions anymore. They just they just accept it. You know, whatever you know, whatever figure is put on the T V who seems to know what they're talking about and is validated by the media, then then that is the person that people listen to. So Right. So coming at a close here, uh, Megan, what do you what do you want to see uh, come out of this? What is, what is the uh, the best scenario in your mind? If if you were talking right now to your governor or uh, your local legislator, what is the direction you want to see this go? Not only for religious exemption, but for the for the whole of society, for keeping our inalienable rights as a society. As far as the I'll break it into two. As far as the religious exemption, I, I do hope that, you know, the courts rule in, in the people's favor. Um, I, I do hope that they uphold those people's freedom, our freedom, and, and take a stand and, and make some good case law about it. Um, I'm, I'm not confident that'll happen. I, I don't know. Um, but as a whole, I, I, I hope people listening, I, I hope Essentially, I hope people go back to basics, get out your history books, read your Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, do, do a little history lesson, figure out what these people fought for, what they came here for, what they established, why what they established was so radical, um, what they were escaping, and what they had 
held for us for the future and how we are completely coming full circle and well halfway violating what these people set in play if that makes sense um i just just i hope people can educate themselves and actually listen to the other side and and gain something from it you know i think kids are taught you know taught history isn't relevant or it doesn't matter anymore i mean history education is being whittled out of schools um it's being whittled out for a reason um, because they want to change our nation. They want to change the direction and they want to change exactly what we stand for. Um, but really, our nation stands for freedom. We are free people. We have, we're, we're awesome. We have something no other country has. I think that's very well said. I find it amazing how often history has been changed after it's already happened once. And yeah. uh, I think we need to stop doing, I think we need to stop doing that. Um, you know, because depending on the generation you come from, you have a different opinion on what happened during World War II or what happened during the Vietnam War. One thing happened, and rewriting history books uh, to support a current political view is dangerous. And yeah. I see certain elements of that coming to fruition. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can take college courses on how the Constitution is an antiquated document and what's the best way to change it. No, no, there isn't, you don't change it. It is what it is. We work within the parameters. Um, as a society, we are becoming, we're much more modern. So we need to work within those parameters, but we can do that. You know, we're, in, we're intelligent humans. We're, we're given a brain by God for a reason. Right. And we can work within those parameters. Um, I, I just think people need to wake up see that there are political agendas. There are certain people that want to change what we have because they want to control the narrative. They want to control us and they don't want us to be free people. They need to ask themselves why. And they need to they need to wake up. People need to wake up. That's my hope. I think that's where it begins. I don't think there's any other real way to fix this issue. Right. Standing on the foundation we were built on. I believe our yeah. Constitution is the oldest in the world. And you guys can fact check me on that. But I see the Constitution and the Bill of Rights sort of like the foundation to a house. The minute you take that away, the house crumbles. It's historically happened in every other nation. And sure, it's not perfect, but nothing is perfect. Humans are not perfect. It is our errors that have made us uh, better than we were yesterday. And you take away the foundation. We're starting from ground zero. You don't take away a foundation to build another story to a house. You can build upon it and you can expand upon it to, to further, you know, help your living conditions in that society. But you don't start by destroying the house. No, a house divided will always collapse. Right. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on? John, Megan, before we closed up tonight? I think, I think I'm good. Uh, no. Nah, we'll save it for later. We covered a lot. Anyways, folks, I, I appreciate you guys joining us tonight. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for joining us. It, this is invaluable information, and I appreciate you being on. Thank you for having me, Dylan. Oh, it's been a pleasure. John, as always, sir, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. This yeah, is man, four months absolutely. now, man. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> crazy. It's good stuff, guys. Good stuff. If you guys want to check us out, we are on Instagram. Everyone is canceled, as well as Facebook. Although 
I favor our Instagram because you can see my really stupid clips there. So <laughs> check us out. <laughs> Buy our t-shirts that don't exist yet. And you guys have a great night. Happy gaming. Bye, everybody. Everyone's crazy. Everyone's crazy. Everyone's crazy. Everyone's crazy.